Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the rainbow. Whether it was back in 05 when I was first starting to develop a distinct affection for the art form, or even now, a whole 17 years later, when I look at the artists that soundscape so much of my life, who I admire, who I lean on to process trauma, to escape my day-to-day, to instill some fun and confidence into my life, these artists rarely, if ever, look like me. And that is why I want to take you on a quick journey through the looking glass of an Indian hip-hop head and discuss the importance of representation through the art form we all love, hip-hop, while highlighting a few pivotal albums and artists along the way. But before we get any further into the topic of representation, like everything on this podcast, I need to get personal for a moment so that I can fully drive home the main message of this episode. So on that note, this latest installment of the Conversation Pieces series must begin with discussing my anxiety and my long-standing issues with identity and how representation in hip-hop specifically helped remedy that. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, This is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. Simply put, I've dealt with anxiety my whole life. I'm not sure even when it truly began, but I can remember as early as the age 6 or 7, well before I knew of my mom dying and then passing away from cancer, encountering Numerous instances of social anxiety, particularly with women and general romance. I would often just dread going to bed back then. A rush of nerves would wash over me and keep me up at night. But that all changed the moment I decided to indulge in my first drug. That drug being my thoughts. Ever since I was young, I was heavy into daydreaming and fantasizing. I loved escaping reality and painting pictures in my own head of me being this super cool, attractive, brave man that all the women loved. But this really grew to another level when I first got my iPod Nano in 2006 and entered the world of music officially, where I had the ability to shift my mood with the push of a button. The effect music had on soothing my anxiety and giving me an escape from reality was profound, but I am very well aware that this coping mechanism was veering into unhealthy territory, where I was becoming increasingly dependent on music, making it hard for me to actually feel present in my regular day-to-day life. But what made this coping mechanism especially unhealthy is what brings us to the concept of representation. Because although I certainly connected and felt inspired by all the music I was listening to over the years, I still felt like an outsider to it all. And I feel that had a lot to do with the fact that the main sources of comfort 
entertainment and inspiration that I consume 24-7 were being made by and featuring people that look nothing like me. In a way, the worlds I was exploring through music that I was using to make myself feel better or hell, even feel anything at all were so far removed from my own reality that it further made me feel like I didn't belong. I had no sense of actual identity in the real world. I was focusing so much on running away from my own actual cultural identity or really indulging in a bunch of stories and life experiences that again, while I was inspired and felt a certain degree of connection, at the end of the day, I was not a part of it. The mental images that made me feel comfortable had nothing to do with me. It felt isolating. So isolating that there were multiple periods of my teenage years where I would actively limit my music listening, like only to working out or only on the bus. I even once put a rubber band on my wrist and snapped it on myself whenever I started to daydream or kind of drift away in my own thoughts. I was very conscious that this couldn't continue. But here I am now at age 27, still dealing with anxiety, but much more confident in who I am. That person being a man who's not only accepting of, but proud of my Indian heritage. How I got to where I am is obviously a multifaceted situation. However, a core tenet to my growth has been due to this concept of representation. Representation of Indian or South Asian people for much of my life was slim to none. Both in the people that surrounded me in school and in my friend groups, but also in the media and the art that I consumed so much and loved. And early on in my teenage years, I actively shied away from learning or indulging in my culture, opting to try and fit in with the white people in my hometown of Ottawa instead. Ottawa being in Canada for the American listeners here. However, three or so years ago, I got into a pivotal relationship which led to new, mainly brown friends. And the consumption of art that was made by people that actually looked like me. And as this is a hip-hop podcast, I'm not going to focus on my heavy indulgence into Bollywood cinema and TV, which was certainly very profound and helped me, you know, feel that much more connected to my roots and really drilling it into my head just how beautiful South Asian women are. I just I just have to put it out there. But I want to focus now on the hip-hop music that's centered around my culture, which, as corny as it sounds, made me feel seen. On a fundamental level, the music I grew up loving that simultaneously was making me feel a bit alienated finally stopped making me feel that way. It took seeing and hearing people in hip-hop that looked like me move me emotionally to feel confident, attractive, capable, cool, while also being proud of their South Asian culture for me to start truly internalizing some of these feelings into my actual self. So even when the music stopped, I began to slowly but surely feel like I could actually connect to something. And that something naturally was my own culture, lo and behold. And that 
there was a path forward to me that involved me being a cool dude that doesn't have to hide my heritage or fit in with the white kids. My dependence on art and mainly music was still there, acting as a coping mechanism, but I genuinely think that seeing my people presented in an attractive and cool light, basically the opposite of the sexless nerd that you'd see on that fucking trash Big Bang Theory, really sparked something inside of me to find some pride in that part of my identity that was all but completely absent in me for the first 21 to 22 years of my life. And one of the catalyzing albums that I want to focus on was Das Racist's Heme's mixtape title, Nehru Jackets. This album was gritty, raw hip-hop with extremely great integrations of Indian samples laced by Mike Finito. It's a beautiful production job. And there's even some Punjabi rapping as well. The cool, nonchalant, fun-loving confidence of Heems on this mixtape was so damn impactful to me. Seeing a Punjabi rapper make the kind of music that I didn't just tolerate or experience from afar, but actually fully resonated with was, was amazing. It made me feel like I actually belong in this culture of hip-hop that I obviously love and adore and respect so much. Heems was like me in many ways. He lived like a Westerner in uh, New York City. He drank, among other things, but also wasn't some fucking tech support geek who actually could talk to women and, most importantly, wasn't trying to fit in with the white people and was unabashedly proud of his native culture at the same time. Big Baby Gandhi, who I previously interviewed on the show and who was also on this Nehru Jackets tape, who was, uh, again, part of that general Das Racist wave, is another shining example of a dude that really had a strong effect on me since he was funny, confident, but also so comfortable in his South Asian Bengali heritage. Music like this shows me there is an archetype that exists for a South Asian person in North America who has love for their native culture, but also fucks with hip-hop and embodies the cool, creative spirit that I've fed off of from hip-hop so much over the years. Obviously, back then I knew people like this existed in society, but I truly didn't have much first-hand experience with brown folks like this, so it truly meant something to me to experience this connection through the music, which was one of the earliest and most common ways I could experience this culture. Focusing on the sounds of uh, Indian culture now being represented in hip-hop, it, simply put, it's a beautiful thing to see these sounds transformed into the greatest art to ever exist, banging fucking hip-hop. And it just does so much to my spirit, you have no idea. No longer is traditional Indian instrumentation reserved for musical styles found in movies that I just don't really resonate with. It's now part of what I find to be the coolest thing ever fucking made. And in a way, I am now part of this cool thing known as hip-hop. Even though as a brown guy in a black art form, I'm still a guest in hip-hop, but now I feel more welcome to 
bring some metaphorical, delicious Indian food to the dinner table and add to the richness of this music. No album did such a thing better than Madlib's Beat Conductor in India. This album is marvelous and is truly my favorite instrumental record by the great Madlib, utilizing old-school Bollywood samples to absolute perfection. These weren't bastardized, pandering-ass beats that just, like, painted on a bunch of Indian singing and instrumentation. No, these songs positioned the trademark buttery Indian vocals and crazy dope percussion to the forefront of these beats and did it so well. You have songs like Dancing Girl theme that use a set of vocal samples that will bring you to your knees. They will melt your heart. Alongside these jangly Indian percussion sounds that Madlib arranged to sound so hard. This is why I cannot emphasize enough that traditionally Indian sounds work so damn well in the context of hip-hop. There's so much great source material and the results can be absolutely otherworldly. Now, if we take this conversation of representation in rap outside of just the narrow personal context I've been discussing so far, generally speaking, given how rap is constructed, I believe this genre is uniquely positioned to be a beacon for truly positive multicultural representation in music. The primary reason being its prominent use of sampling, which is why even when the artist is Madlib, a literal black man, he can create something that feels hip-hop while actually authentically honoring Indian culture in a way that me as an Indian guy feels seen. Sampling makes it so easy to have an album like Ethiopes that heavily embraces Ethiopian sounds produced by a non-black guy in preservation somehow sound so great and tasteful. Past the sampling, I feel another key element is rap's heavy use of words and focus on singular people, typically the rapper on a track, that fosters a natural connection between the artist and the listener that you don't really get often in other genres. Like the closest you can get to this really is folk music, singer-songwriter music. I may not have been to or known anyone personally from Memphis, but listening to an artist like Luca allows me to truly begin to understand the core values found in the black southern culture of America, mainly since he was able to use a whole album's length of time to paint that picture with so many words over the course of a 40 plus minute album, really giving him the flexibility to say whatever he wants in as clear a way as possible. It's a significant difference from other forms of music that are largely or fully instrumental. I find obviously you can get emotion and there can be a lot going on just off pure sound, but it's hard to really communicate tangible information on culture per se strictly through sound. I believe the malleability of hip-hop through sampling and its focus on singular people and its heavy inclusion of words makes it such a robust and capable force to celebrate and blend a wide variety of cultures in a tasteful and impactful way. So has this positive representation from hip-hop solved all my problems? Obviously not. 
I'm by no means trying to paint these few examples of representation in hip-hop as like the sole reason for anything happening in my life. But it was a very major contributing factor. What I also can say is that I am aware that the term representation is seen as a buzzword to many. A word often associated to feckless liberal corporatists who replace any structural efforts of real progress with token gestures that don't amount to much. But when done right, representation can make a difference. Seeing people that look like me in the art I love mattered. It helped spark a journey of growth and self-discovery into my own cultural identity that I had grown up completely pushing away and in my opinion really completely or at least almost lost. And I am eternally grateful that even though I'm already 27 years old, I at the bare minimum realize I have a lot of learning and a whole part of me to discover still and that's exciting. And in my opinion, that's beautiful, and I have to thank Heems, Big Baby Gandhi, Madlib, and anybody else who decides to sprinkle in some Indian shit into your hip-hop. It'll sound amazing, and it'll really make me feel good. And welcome, so thank you. So there we have it, another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC-TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. Big shout out to Dano of Free Music Empire, Levi, Mahima, Jeff, Mitch, Dash Lewis, Pancake Cleaner, Trey, Noah, Justin, Brandon, Joe, Gavin, Matt, Teddy Faley, Jackson, Kian, Slumber Logic, Fatman Tomb, and Khalid for your generous support through the Patreon. I really appreciate it. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace.